Welcome to The Memoir, where host Bobby Goldie self-reflects on the chapters of her life. She's persevered through cancer, depression, addiction, adoption, poverty, and abuse. These are just a few obstacles she's battled through and is sharing her struggles and successes as a reminder, we are not broken. We are just human. Now here's your host, Bobby Goldie. You know when you meet folks for the first time and you start the small talk and the niceties, you eventually start asking each other questions, usually about maybe pets, family, and so forth. And then if you start talking about children, you ask a few more specifics. So usually I'll get, do you have any children? And I say, why, yes, I do. I have two amazing eight-year-olds. Oh, are they twins? Yes, I say. Artificial. And then all of a sudden there's this strange silence and this look upon their face because they're wondering why I said artificial with twins. I then expand a little bit further and I say, yes, they're artificial twins because we adopted. And then I proceed to tell them the story of what makes them artificial twins and how fortunate we were to be able to have two amazing gifts and angels brought to us. So you're wondering why, why on earth, Bobby, would you use the art, the word artificial and subject yourself to this, these looks and these barrage of questions? And the first reason, why not? Am I embarrassed or ashamed that my unique story of the adoption of the two biggest gifts I will ever be given in my life were brought to me this way? Absolutely not. And not sharing or sharing, does it change anything? No, not at all. And lastly, I always want to be open with our children. And obviously I have to consider their age and their mental capacity, but we in our house, are always open and we talk about adoption and we talk about their story and how it came about and so forth. So it's really important. So recently I was on the road and I had this exact conversation for the millionth time. I was sitting at a work conference and I began having a fabulous conversation with a young woman. The intros, we had introduced ourselves to each other and then we began the dance of asking questions. And she asked me if I had kids. And I said, yes, artificial twins. I have two that are eight years old. Cue the strange look. They're adopted and they're three weeks apart. And sometimes when I say that to folks, the next question I get is, same parents? And she was too smart for that. And a lot of times, I think it's an instant reaction for folks because it is such an unusual item. So they don't really have enough insight to really think about it. So words just come out. So as we were sitting there, she started sharing with me that she was considering adoption. So this is another reason I share. Because here I am in another state with a female across from me who just shared that she's on the fence about adopting. So why wouldn't I take this opportunity to share my amazing journey with her? 
So after she told me she was considering adopting, I looked at her and I said, boy, do I have a story for you. However, you're going to need either a glass of wine or a nice hot cup of tea, and we're going to have to sit for this one. So tea it was. I started in the beginning when my husband Greg and I met. We started dating, and neither of us had any children at the time. There was a point in our relationship where we started getting very serious, and we started talking children. And at one point, he said, I didn't think I wanted children, but now that I'm with you, I think my mind's changed. And I sat there, and I started getting this horrible pit in my stomach. And I looked at him, and he said, well, I really want children, but I have issues physically that limit the possibilities of me having biological children. So if you're really serious about this, you're going to have to go to my doctor. I can make an appointment and we can talk through options. And of course, Greg being Greg, he was absolutely cool with it. Didn't flinch, didn't judge or question me. I mean, maybe he judged me, but he surely didn't show it. So I made the appointment and we went to the doctor and the doctor explained all of my medical issues. I had three or four items that I was going through or that I had that made it very difficult for me to have children. So what the doctor said was, if we wanted to, then we would have to level set Greg so that we knew what we were dealing with. So Greg would have to go in and take some tests and then we would meet with the doctor again and determine the best next steps for us. So um, Greg went to the doctor, made an appointment, went and did the tests he did, he needed to do. And then a couple weeks later, I was sitting in the house and he walked in and he had tears in his eyes. And he told me that he went for his follow-up. And the doctors told him that he was not able to make babies. And he said, I'm broken and I don't know why you'd want to be with me. I can't give you children. <laughs> uh, I, I just started laughing, right? It doesn't make any sense. He's crying and I'm laughing. And I was like, hey, you dumb F, I'm going to be nice. I'm broken too. We were meant for each other. I can't have babies and you can't have babies. This is where we're supposed to be right now. And he started to laugh. And he realized how silly this was because honestly, I was already broken and he, he wanted me just as much as I wanted him. So it took us a while to get through that emotional state, knowing that we both had medical issues that were going to make it extremely difficult to have children biologically. So we continued to meet with our specialist and the options were limited. So we reached out to a couple other specialists, spent way more money and continued to deal with disappointment. Nothing was working. 
So we went to our last doctor, which was a referral from a friend who had to deal with medical issues for giving, you know, having babies. And we were in the room with the doctor and the doctor pulled out a book of sperm donors and a book of egg donors and said, here it is. This is this is our option. It's really great. You pick out your egg donors and you pick out your sperm donors and then somebody else will carry your baby for you. Plus, you need to give us thousands of dollars more. And Greg and I looked at each other like, what the heck? This We obviously were thinking the same thing. This just doesn't even seem like it should even be an option at this point. So I looked at the doctor in the eye and I kept my calm and I said, doctor, I want you to take off your, your professional medical hat right now. And if you were in our situation, what would you do? And he looked down, grasped his hands, looked back up at me and he said he would walk away. So Greg and I stood up shook his hand, thanked him for his honest opinion and everything that he's done for us up to that point, and we walked away. As I was walking out of that medical building, the tears started coming down my eyes. And I looked at Greg and I could see he his eyes were welling up. And it appeared that we weren't going to have babies biological babies. We weren't going to be parents. And it was devastating. Absolutely devastating because I thought as humans, that's what we were put on this earth to do was to create the next generation of humans. And here we were, we both couldn't do it. So we went home, we drank some wine, we cried, we hugged, And as the days went on, we just kind of thought this was it. This was the end game. And then one day, I was looking at my little Pekingese. There's a little 10-pound Pekingese. His name was Zach, or Boo Bears, as I would call him. He was my baby. That little dog got me through some of the toughest times of my life. I honestly think he was my angel. And if it weren't for him, I might not even be here today. So as I was looking at this little, little fluffy brown Pekingese, that meant the world to me. I felt like there was something in me that said, if I can love this freaking dog this much, then maybe I could love a child this much that's not mine biologically. And I said, maybe in my brain, this was not out loud yet, or to my husband, I said, maybe adoption is the road. Maybe we should consider adoption. And I didn't know if Greg would even contemplate it or if he has contemplated or even consider it. So when he came home from work that day, I set him at the table and I said, what do you think about adoption? And of course, he's like, yeah, I was thinking of that too. But I was nervous and I was worried you wouldn't consider. And then I grabbed Zach and he said, if I can love this little fluffy dog this much, I'm thinking adoption might be the story for us. So that was the turning point. That's when we decided, okay, biologically, we are not meant 
to be parents, but that doesn't mean we're not meant to be parents, period. So next steps. What type of adoption is out there? We had no freaking clue. Luckily for us, Google was there. So we did lots of research searching the internet and we realized there are a few things. There's international adoption. There's foster care. There is adoption in the US that's open or private. But one of the things that we realized with the private and the open is, is that open adoption was definitely the way things were going in the US if you were gonna do US adoption or domestic adoption. And right about now, about 65% of all domestic adoptions are open. And international was one of the first things we looked at. So we thought maybe we could adopt from another country. And the reason we decided not to do international was because we wanted newborns. And a lot of times with international adoption, even when you're matched with that baby, that baby is in an orphanage for quite some time. And by the time you physically get to bring them home, they could be a year old, they could be two years old, they could even be three years old. So for us, knowing that our first choice in all of this adoption was to have a newborn, that didn't work for us. So then we looked at foster. And in the foster care system, the, the, the problem you have is in typically what happens is individuals that uh, want to have children biologically and have them then realize for whatever reason it's too much work or there's drug issues or alcohol issues or whatever it may be and these children end up in foster care. So the chances of having a newborn available in the foster care system is very, very limited. So for that reason, we decided to not consider foster. So that means we're back to domestic, U.S. adoption. So are we going to do open which is about 65% of all adoptions now in in the US for domestic, or are we gonna do private? And we decided to do open, and what open means is, is that you know the biological parents and the biological parents know you. And it's more of an open process throughout the adoption and post-adoption. And the reason we decided that is because it increased our odds. Private adoption is down so much now that there's less and less biological parents that'll consider that because obviously they're in a really difficult situation right now. And they're doing the most selfless thing ever by providing this newborn baby to somebody else. And they're doing it for all the right reasons, right? They want to give their their biological baby the best life possible. And they know that sometimes that might mean going through adoption. So if they're able to have some sort of relationship or know who the parents are, it makes it a lot easier for them. So open was the choice that we made. And then of course, not only after you decide you're going to do domestic adoption, you have to decide, are you going to do it within the state you live in? Or are you going to adopt from another state? And 
we really contemplated this one as well. We knew if we would have it open up to any state where the the biological baby was, it would increase our odds tremendously. However, then we had to contemplate the adoptive laws of that state plus our state where we resided in. And what we wanted to make sure is we didn't end up being one of those lifetime movies where the the child is six years old and for whatever reason, within whatever the laws are within that state, all of a sudden the biological parents could come back and take the baby from us. So we really researched our state at the time and our state had really good pro-adoptive parent laws. So we wanted to adopt within our state. That was a lot of decision-making, and it took us quite some time to figure that out. Next steps. All right. We decided open adoption in Wisconsin. Now what? Well, I had to put my business and marketing sales hat on because at this point, we had to select an agency. And there are all kinds of agencies out there. So the first thing I did is I did a lot of research on agencies, and then I read some reviews. And I looked for an agency that had really good reviews where they were taking care of the biological parents as well as the adoptive parents. And then, remember I said I had my sales and marketing hat on? I looked at the number of adoptive parents that were accepted because that's our competition. Now I have to take all emotion out of it and I need to think of that because the more adoptive parents that are accepted within an agency means the more choices that the biological parents have. So I wanted to limit their choices. So I looked for a smaller agency that accepted less adoptive parents. And then lastly, I looked at what our competition was. I know it might sound a little crass, but I really had to be smart about this. And on the websites of a lot of the agencies, you can see what your competition is. So some of the things I would look for is, do they already have a baby or a child? Because if they do, the odds are that the biologicals are going to choose a couple or an adoptive parent that have no children in the home already. So that means if there are more adoptive parents in the agency that have a child, that's less for us. So say, for example, if we had 10 other adoptive parents that we were competing with, if two of them already had children, that means I only have eight to deal with. And then I would look at things like ages because There are some stats that say the older the adoptive parents are, their odds go down a bit in getting selected by the biologicals. And then I also looked at if they had pets. Isn't that funny? Because people tend to think of individuals that have pets as more caring and loving and giving. I don't know if it's true or not, but if they have pets. So, I took all of these types of things into consideration when we selected our agency. So once I was done with that, we selected our agency, we interviewed the director, we went to their offices, and then we went and had to deal with all the formalities. This was rough. It was really rough. 
And what I realized when I was when we were going through this is this if biological parents had to go through half of what adoptive parents do at this point, there would be less unwanted children in this world. Because boy, huh, for adoptive parents, there are a lot of hurdles that you have to jump. Of course, lots of paperwork, right? Signing your life away, all types and sorts of paperwork, they wouldn't stop. We also had to do a bunch of education, online education, and it was like continuing ed, I guess. We had, I had to, I knew about porridge at orphanages. And remember, I wasn't even going to do international adoption. Greg and I decided to do domestic, but yet I learned lots about porridge. Uh, we also had to have a home inspection where the agency came in and they reviewed our home and they literally went room by room and measured the space because we had to have enough space to make sure that if we were selected as adoptive parents, we had enough room. So we did that. We also had to have full physicals. They had to review our taxes, our credit scores, our finances. We had to have multiple interviews, and we also had to have letters of recommendation. It's crazy. And of course, in my best infomercial voice, wait, there's more. We also had to create a web page. Yes, a web page, just like the ones that I reviewed when I was selecting an adoption agency, because this is the first thing that biological parents look at when they are considering adoptive parents. And then once they select a couple folks or families on the web page, then they get to look through an adoption book. And the adoption book is something that you create as a family that talks about your life and who you are and honestly what you have to offer and why they should select you as the adoptive parents. So we did all of that. And it was crazy. It was a lot of work. And then finally, the hardest thing we had to do was the director gave us a document and we had to decide as far as the baby and the birth parents what was okay and what was not okay or what we would not consider. So for example, was there any drugs involved? Did they come from abusive relationships? Were there any mental illnesses? What if the baby was born and had issues? All of these things. Oh, race, minority, where they where they lived, all of these questions we had to answer. And a great piece of advice the director gave us is, the more selective you are, the smaller your pool is and the less likely you're going to get chosen. And it, the pool is already small. There is only about 135,000 adoptions done in the US annually. So if you're going to be really picky and you're gonna say, I only want a child that's my race or I only want a boy, or there cannot be any mental illnesses from the biological parents, or there can't be any drug use or alcohol use, you're going to limit your pool and the chances of you being successful in adopting is going to be small. So you know what? We are wide open. We had, we had hardly anything that we would say no to. And it really did help us. So all that while we were going through this, which is really funny, is there was another company um, that was courting me for work. And 
Greg and I talked about this a lot. One of the things we had to consider, which I didn't even think we did initially, was do we tell this new company, if for for some reason, if they give me a job offer and they want me to come work for them, do we tell them that we're considering adoption? And Greg initially was pretty positive that we should tell. I, on the other hand, was on the fence and I, it took me a while to figure it out, but then I thought of, okay, so say, say we were both biologically able to carry children or have children. Obviously, Greg cannot carry children. Only I could. <laughs> Maybe someday that'll happen, but no. So, so say I, we were, I was at childbearing age, right? And physically, I was able to carry a child. If I was going to go to a job, a new company, or start a new career, do I walk in and say, hey, I might have a baby in the next 10 years. You might want to consider that. No, you wouldn't. So why on earth would I put that out there to this new company possibly that, hey, you know what? We're, we're looking at adoption now, so it may happen and it may not. And then honestly, if it doesn't, why would I even have that out there? It doesn't make any sense. So after lots and lots of conversations, Greg and I decided we didn't need to tell them. It didn't make any sense to share that type of news with the new company. So now the waiting game begins. So for the next six months, while we were waiting to be matched, we were. We were matched actually several times. And... Sometimes we even started paying for like their cell phone or their card payment. But you know what? They all fell through. And every single time it fell through, I cried. I couldn't get out of bed. I felt completely discouraged. And I didn't even know if I could do it anymore. I didn't know how much I had left in me. So as you can see, and through this, that adoption is not for the faint of heart. You need to be resilient, you need to be tough, and you need to keep your eye on the prize. And that's what I tried to do. So while I was going through this, I had a a very good friend of mine that adopted three that were 11 months apart. And he gave me two very good game-changing pieces of advice. The first he said is, Bobby, you need to tell the entire world you're adopting. I know it feels uncomfortable and it seems like something you shouldn't share, but I'm telling you to share it publicly because you don't know if somebody can connect you outside of the agency. And that worked for him. And they had one baby that they got outside of their agency. And then secondly, they said, he said to me, I know you're looking at this right now is more is with your business hat on. He goes, but you need to get close once you're matched to these biological parents. This cannot just be a transaction. You need to get to know them. You need to be there for them. And you need to have them love you and believe in you so much that they feel like you're the parents for their baby. And the closer you get to them, the harder it is for them to be able to walk away because now you've made an emotional connection with them. So I listened. I listened to everything he said. And all of a sudden, we get a call from the agency. 
And they said there was a birth mom that put us as a potential match for her baby. But of course, there was a catch. We were the second choice. The first choice was a couple that wanted a boy. Ah, I was uh, a little confused on that because I'm thinking, holy moly,s it's hard enough to go through this and you're going to be picky trying to pick what sex you want of the baby. But I just put that aside. It's not my place to judge. So what the director said is they're going in for an ultrasound in about a month. Before that, we want you to meet with her. And then if she still likes you, you both will go in with her for her ultrasound. And then that'll determine, you know, depending on if it's a a male or a female baby, who it's matched with, with her child. So we fast forward and we go to the ultrasound. We walk into the room and there they are, the other couple. And so we shake each other's hand and we say hello. And the birth mom is on, you know, getting ready to get her ultrasound and the ultrasound tech is there and the ultrasound tech says, congratulations, you're having a girl. And the other couple walked out. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Kind of wanted to punch him. I was pissed off and I was angry. How could you? How could you decide that this baby wasn't good enough for you or that you just wanted a boy? So I didn't do any of that. I put a big smile on my face. I hugged the birth mom and I told her congratulations. And then we were matched with our little girl. And throughout the birth mom's pregnancy, I did exactly what my friend said. I was close to her. Every time she called me, I took her phone call. And let me tell you, those were some really, really rough phone calls. There were police involved, drugs involved an abusive boyfriend, but I took them all. And I I comforted her and I helped her as much as I could. And you know what? One day she called me and she's like, hey, Bobby, I have something I need to tell you. And it's a little bit hard, but uh, I'm going to go into rehab. And don't worry, it's nothing major. It's just pot. But I know for the baby and myself that I need to do this. So I, I sat and I listened to her, of course, and I provided her, you know, some positive feedback and saying, this is a really good decision for her and I'm very proud of her. And she was in rehab for quite some time. This was, I think, at about uh, six months into her pregnancy. And then at the same time, Remember when I I listened to that great advice I got from my friend about sharing it publicly? Well, (laughs) we got matched outside of the agency. One day, I got a call from my niece. And a little inside story here. She's technically not my niece, but she's extremely close to me. And she has been since she's been an itty bitty girl. And, And so, you know, we all have those, right? Like, uh, I, I don't know if it's a, a extended cousin or a good friend's uh, child, but you become aunts and uncles all the time. And we always say, right, family is not blood. So 
my niece called me and she said that her stepbrother was contemplating adoption because he was in a new relationship with a girlfriend and it just didn't seem right for them. So she asked if I wanted to meet with them. And we were, Greg and I were like, absolutely, hook us up. So she set up a, uh, a meet and we drove to their town and we met with them. And it was amazing. We loved them. They were great. And we couldn't even believe it that we had such a great bond with them very quickly. So they said, yes, we would like you to adopt. And we said, absolutely, we will. And they were about three months, I think, at the time as well. And we went, they had the ultrasound and we found out that they were having a boy. So it was pretty wild. We were matched with a baby girl and a baby boy. And we're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Nobody was leaving. As time was progressing, nobody was leaving. And we're like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We have to pick one. Who are we going to pick? We've become very close to both biological parents for both babies and one was a boy and one was a girl we we couldn't even decide we had no clue so you know what we did we said we were going to adopt both <laughs> crazy right um and at the time they were about three weeks apart in delivery so we then i put on my business hat again and i said okay now, let's make sure that we're strategic about how we go forward because we've never heard of anybody doing this. So the first thing we did is we found one of the best adoptive attorneys in the state of Wisconsin. And we called him and we set up an appointment and he explained to us that this is not typical at all. However, it's very legal and you can absolutely do it if you have the means and the heart. And we had the financial means and the space and the heart. And we wanted both babies. So then he told us that what's going to happen is when you call the adoption agency, they're going to tell you you can't do it. And the reason they're going to tell you that is because they make less money when you adopt inside and outside of the agency at the same time. But you tell them that I'm your attorney and that if they have any issues to call me because I work with them all the time. We were like, okay, great. So then what we did is we didn't call the agency. We met with each of the biological parents separately and we explained the story and told them, boy and a girl, very close in age and that we would absolutely love to have both babies. And they both agreed it was amazing. And then we had them meet each other and they met and everything was great and everybody was on board. So next I had to call the director at the agency and I explained to her the situation and I told her that we wanted to adopt both babies. And the first thing she said to me was, it's illegal. And I said, do you know attorney so-and-so? Well, he said that it's not illegal. And she backtracked and she said, okay, well, I didn't mean it that way. But what I meant was it's not good for the babies and you. And I was confused. I said, why? Why is it? Why is it not good? She's like, well, you know, if you adopt both of them, they're going to be so close in age, you're going to be artificially twinning them. And that's really bad for them. It's bad for their psychological development. And as they're getting older and they're newborns and, and going to school and all that, you're going to have to deal with all those situations about them not being twins, but people treating them like twins. And then you have to answer all these crazy questions to people all the time. 
She's like, you know, you could be pushing a stroller down the street and somebody's going to ask you if they're twins. And, and what are you going to say? And I was silent. And I said, so, did you forget what you, had, you matched us with originally? The, the birth parents that didn't turn out? I said, they're African-American babies. So you don't think me pushing a stroller down the sidewalk with a little African-American baby with my little blonde-haired white self isn't going to bring up questions to people? And she was silent. And I was angry. But I kept it together. And I explained to her that we were going to do this. And that I talked to both biological parents and they were for it. So either she was going to continue or we were going to find a new agency and take the biological parents with us. So she agreed. Then all of a sudden, we get a call in November from the first birth mother saying that the baby's coming. And we go, proceed to go up to the hospital in the delivery room. And baby Abby was born on November 20th, our beautiful little angel. Three days later, we leave the hospital with this beautiful little girl. Three weeks later, we get another call. And the birth parents of the little boy, the little baby boy called and said, they're going into labor. We go back up to a hospital and baby Aiden is delivered. Our second gift, our second angel. And a few days later, we leave We go home and we have two newborn babies, a little boy and a little girl. And you know what's so funny? The whole time I got to drink wine and I had two babies. Yes, it's an amazing story. And that's why I share this story is because it is, it's a very difficult journey for a lot of people. There's not a lot of resources out there. So if I can share this story with people, they will realize that there are some hurdles and some hardships, but the end result, the end game is absolutely amazing. And it's a life changer. And you have to be patient and you have to be resilient and you have to keep focused. And the other reason I share is because you know what? Remember that amazing female I told you that I was telling the story to? Well, her and I became great friends. And sometimes I think if I didn't share this amazing story with her, maybe we wouldn't have the same friendship as we do now because we really bonded over this. So thanks for listening to my story. I know it was a pretty long one, but it's pretty fabulous. Thanks again for listening to The Memoir with Bobby Goldie. And don't forget, be a better person than you were yesterday. Thanks for listening to The Memoir. Let's work to remove the stigma of taboo topics. We only have on average 30,000 days on this earth. So let's make the best of our remaining days together. Get in touch with Bobby Goldie at B-O-B-B-I-E. G-O-L-D-I-E dot com and share your story.